This episode is from a Shakti Durga online satsang. She makes reference to an image of the Vedic deity Ganesha, where she's discussing the symbology of the image in detail. Hi everyone, it's Shakti Durga, and welcome to this episode of the Soul Talk podcast. Each episode is going to feature some of the highlights from live trainings, retreats, online classes, and presentations that I've done around the world. If you find value in it, please text the link to the podcast to a friend or share it with your networks. I look forward to connecting with you soon. Namaste. So let's have a look at the symbology of what Ganesh is about. It's an elephant-headed deity. And a deity is not a physical being, it's a mythological being. And what it's meant to do is to signify to us something about the divine And when prayed to over millennia, as Ganesha has been, what happens is the divine forms itself into the form of Ganesha in response to the prayers of humanity and then answers the prayers of humanity and becomes, for all intents and purposes, a divine being, a god, like an angel. And so these things are very potent, very sacred, and one has to have a connection with them in order for anything to actually happen. So somebody who's not on a spiritual path and even someone who is on a spiritual path and might be incredibly devoted to their path but is completely closed to anything but their one way, for instance, they might be Christian, they might be Muslim, they might be even a Hindu who who's really into um, the Shiva path and not into anything else or a Krishna path and not into anything else, then they won't be open to this flavour of the divine, just like they mightn't be open to Archangel Michael. They might not even have heard of Archangel Michael. There's no connection, and that's not the energy that's going to help that person when they're in distress or when they really need help. And so on a spiritual path, one of the wonderful things that we do, and in a mystery school particularly, we cultivate our inner plane connections And so Ganesha is one of the inner plane connections that I rely upon. And I love Ganesha, that Ganesha is all through my house. When I was in Pedham some years ago, Amma manifested this little Ganesha, which is really because my soul has a connection to Ganesha. Thank you, Amma, and thank you, Ganesha. But let's have a look at why is he formed this way? Why was it that the ancient seers and rishis and wise ones who came up with this way of conceiving the divine, why did they build an elephant-headed, fat little short guy? Like, why did they do that? Well, there were reasons. The short guy piece, he's very short compared to other gods, is because he's meant to signify the divine child. Lord Jesus taught that you have to become like a little child to enter the kingdom of heaven. And you have to marry the, the, the parts of, you know, the divine father and the divine mother needs to marry. So in the time of Jesus, it would have been Adonai, the great Lord, and Shekinah, um, the, the Holy Spirit mother, that their marriage somehow creates something special within the hearts of humanity and gives forth the energy of goldenness in Christ. Well, this is a similar kind of teaching in how I understand Ganesha, is that 
he represents our journey to become enlightened. And his elephant head came about through a long story where Lord Shiva lopped off his human head and gave him uh, the head of an elephant. And it wasn't just any old elephant. It was an elephant who'd once been an absolutely shocking, terrible, debased, nasty demon who'd seen the light. And he saw the light because he came into contact with Ganesha's brother, Katakaya. And Katakaya and his wife, Devasena, were so full of unconditional, boundless, compassionate love that they saw right through all of the baseness and hideousness and fear and ego of that that demon, and they sort of said, I see you. You don't stand outside of the divine system. You're a creation, a manifestation of the duality system that's been created by the divine for all humanity to learn and grow through. We see your soul. We see the light in you that's behind all of that. And then what happened was all of that crumbled and all of it turned to dust and he had the option of going straight back into sort of obliteration but oneness with the divine in an obliterated way or he was given the option of a new life and he chose the new life as a completely enlightened divine elephant And he wanted to be in seclusion, he wanted to be in the forest and he didn't want to talk to anybody and he wanted to keep praying for all the souls that he'd ever hurt as this terrible demon. So it's a real story of transformation that happened with even the elephant that became Ganesha. When when the other scripture story starts where (laughs) Ganesha is guarding his mother Parvati who's taking a bath, and she just formed him that day um, out of the dust of the earth or, or of her body, whichever story you like. He hadn't met his dad, Shiva, so she said, guard the house, don't let anyone in. He didn't realise that did not include Shiva, so he kept him out of the house because he's the son of Parvati, the goddess. He had superpower from when he was created, but he didn't have a lot of sense, basically. Anyway, great big row, a brawl, a um, a war erupted between Ganesha and Shiva that went on and on and on and on and on and on and on. So Ganesha had huge strength, but eventually Shiva prevailed and chopped off his head, thinking that he was an intruder in his house, having never met him before and not realising Pavdi had chosen that day to have a baby. So anyway, lopped off the head and put on the head of the first being that was facing north that they saw which was this el- the elephant I was talking about. So this completely enlightened, illumined elephant that was um, purified from having been the worst of the worst. Any sin or transgression or mistake or stupidity that you've ever done, that particular demon did it first, if you see what I mean. It's like there is nothing we've done that's original sin. It's all recycled sin. You know, it's it's really very um, common to all of humanity, the same sorts of themes. So anyway, we get the, the elephant head, uh, which is the head of someone who's quite enlightened. So it goes beyond thinking big. It's about thinking the way the divine would think. 
The small eyes, it says, to concentrate. I would say the small eyes are more about the fact that looking at the inner plane is more important than looking at the outer plane. And so Ganesh's focus is very much through his third eye. And he understands a lot about what's going on in the world, doesn't really need his eyes so much. And to me, that's why they're small. Uh, let's just go down the, the right side there. So the rope, a lot of gods and goddesses carry a rope. And the rope is to, it's like a shepherd. It's like the kind, the kind of iconography that you would find in Jesus being the good shepherd. And Lord and Muhammad, when he was alive, he used to say, any true spiritual teacher is a shepherd, which led to many years of everyone having to own sheep. But he actually meant a shepherd of souls. So the rope is meant to pull you near to the divine and stop you getting lost and to be something that you can hang on to on your journey into oneness. Um, the one tusk situation So here he's got one tusk, but the other tusk is missing. And that's about, you could say, becoming, um, retaining the good and throwing away the bad. But there's other deeper significance to the one tusk, which we'll go into at some, maybe some other time. But the name Ekadanta comes from having one tusk. And basically he utilized the other tusk for divine purposes as a sacrifice. And he wrote the Vedas with the tusk, he, he he actually pulled his tusk off and used it as a pen to write the Vedas and particularly the Mahabharata, which is one of the sacred scriptures of India. The trunk has got a lot of significance and there's another name for Ganesha called um, Vakra, Vakrat Undaya. Vakrat Undaya, <laughs> Vakrat undaya means um, curved trunk and it certainly is efficient and adaptable but there are many deep esoteric significances to which way Ganesha's trunk is curved. And in some of those, he's looking he, he's looking more at the divine life. In some of them, he's looking more at the worldly life. Some of them, he's looking at how to create enlightenment. So there's a whole thing around how his trunk is. The, the modicums here, he's got this little circle here is a sweet. He holds a thing called a modicum. And it's a little bit, it's it's a little bit of something very sweet. And he always has sweets and they're said to be the rewards of our spiritual practices and that they're manifest in Ganesha and that when we merge with Ganesha, they become more rapidly manifest in us as well. The little mouse is the vehicle of Ganesha, which is kind of ridiculous that a, an elephant would be riding a mouse so whenever you see truly ridiculous things in sacred scriptures, you know, oh, that's hiding a secret. Wonder what the secret is. And then if you meditate on it, the divine will reveal it to you. And basically, it's about the fact that mice are really clever. And usually it's a rat, but rats, mice, they're really clever. They can get in anywhere. You try keeping a mouse out when it wants to get in. And it's so adaptable and so able to get get in anywhere. And that represents our ego, that it just keeps getting in. You think you got rid of it, comes back again later. You know, just give it a little while, it'll be back. Uh, and that's our ego. And so it's about how Ganesha just puts his foot on that. He doesn't ever squish it. 
He just says, now that you behave, and he keeps that under control and desires under control as well. So that, um, as it says there, you ride the desire and keep it under control and don't allow the desire to take you for a ride. So that's a pretty cool thing about Ganesh. Prasada means food that's been offered or not just food, it could be anything that you offer to the divine, which then becomes sacred because it's been offered to the divine. And in fact, if you're sensitive to energy, the difference in vibration of, say, a beautiful plate of food, it's lovely. It's got nice energy. But if you offer it on an altar at something like a fire puja or an abhishekam, a water puja a ceremony, um, and the prayers are done, and then you ask the divine to bless that plate of food as part of the ceremony to be distributed to everybody in attendance, the energy field of that plate of food will grow exponentially. Sometimes you can't get your hands around it to scan it. It's so big and full of the most refined, subtle energy. And then if you take that food into your mouth and treat it like it's the divine, the divine just woke up in that food. And so you treat it like that and it will do an explosion of divine energy through your body. So that's what the offering of food to the divine is. It's not because the divine's particularly hungry. It's because we're offering it and saying, I give you this. And then what the divine does is gives you divine energy back. It gives you access to that divine energy. And so, yes, I suppose it is the whole world's at your feet and for your asking, but I think that's a very worldly explanation. I think the prasad is a much, there's a much richer concept involved in in Ganesha generally being surrounded by food items. He always has a big belly and you might think, well, why would a God choose to have a really big belly? And the reason is that Ganesha can digest anything. So just think of food for a moment. Some food is digestible, some food for you is indigestible and some food is indigestible for anyone. It's not even food, it's really poison. But none of that would affect Ganesh. He just digests all of it, doesn't have any negative effect on him. But there's many kinds of food. And so it's not just physical food that we're talking about. It's also mental, emotional and spiritual stuff that happens in your life. So just think about um, sometimes you have a really big day. You know, you're just, you're just in a really big time of your life and maybe work's really on the boil and you've got loads of projects going on. Um, maybe you got a cold and not feeling that great. Maybe your child has just done something that sort of upset you and you're wondering how to handle it. Maybe, um, you know, you've got something going on in your family. Maybe someone's ill. You know, you're trying to balance all the parts of your life. You're trying to look after yourself and do what you need to do, your work, your responsibilities, have a bit of fun sometimes. You're trying to do all that. And so much happens in our day that we actually can't digest it most of the time. And so when you can't digest your life, it starts to become burdensome. It becomes burdensome on your energy field and on your spirit. And it can turn into various ailments 
It can be physical ailments, and we learn a lot about that in Ignite Your Spirit Therapy training and LIFT training. Or it can be uh, emotional leading to behavioural problems. So sometimes when we can't digest our life because it's just happening so fast and we just keep soldiering on and soldiering on, we get cranky and we get short-tempered and we can't speak to someone in a normal voice. We just go straight into aggression mode because we're just incapable of being polite and nice to people because we're full. We are not digesting and we might have a backlog depending on how old you are, that backlog could be considerable. And sometimes we need different forms of therapy to deal with that backlog, as well as prayer to the divine. So I'm always a big believer in working multidimensionally and having a team around you whenever it is you need to work on something. But this is the dynamic through which trauma happens. And those who are studying trauma in this day and age say, that basically everyone's traumatized. You can't live a modern life without having trauma that you're carrying. And the point of the Ganesha uh, piece is that Ganesha can help us digest what's been indigestible in our life. And then in my experience, when the divine enters in, when you sort of surrender and you say, look, I just can't do this, it's just too hard for me, and you surrender to the divine, the divine will step in and show you how and sometimes even be the peace that you can't find for yourself. It will actually bless you with a peacefulness that wasn't there before. So this is one of the specialities of Ganesha. He can digest anything. If people are rude to you, just digest it like Ganesha would whereas mainly we just give it back. And, of course, it does get frustrating when it's chronic, unending, continuing for years on end. Um, Then we have to have a multidimensional effect um, and we have to love ourselves and have decent boundaries as well. So it's quite a rich thing, isn't it? But Ganesha will help to digest all of the above. All right, coming more up the left side. Uh, blessings. So the hand raised there, you can see where my cursor is. The hand raised um, in this mudra of hand up like this, it's called the Abhaya mudra, and that's the mudra for alleviating fear. So it means I'm going to take away your fear. So you can always have a lot of gratitude whenever you perceive any of the deities with that um, hand raised mudra, fear gone, um, your life will be really different. (laughs) The next one is one of my personal faves, small mouth for less talking, (laughs) less wasting energy through what we say, and also just being really careful that we're not saying stupid stuff, that we're not repeating low vibrational things, that we're not dragging down the tone of interactions with the way we speak, and that we're kind in our speech and patient. The axe is also a good one. The axe is not because he's a violent Ganesha, but because he's helping us to dissolve our attachments, attachments to all kinds of stuff. I think really humans are so good at attachment. It's never ending what we can make ourselves attached to, pretty much anything. And any time you ever buy anything, get given anything, you'll probably find you're getting attached to it almost straight away. Unless, of course, you 
literally don't want it, in which case no attachment forms and you're happy to give that away. Uh, but that whole attachment piece is something that we can take years and years to um, undo all of the issues created through attachment, which we do on a spiritual path. We have to work on our attachments. And the large years for better listening is also good. And there's a whole science of listening, and we include some of that stuff in our Empowering Relationships programs where we look at how can we listen better and not just assume we know what people are going to say, not cut people off mid-sentence, but have the grace to really just listen to someone patiently. I mean, it's not going to take years off your life. It might be a few more minutes you've got to sit there patiently and listen. But it's devastating when no one will listen. You know, when a person won't listen to you, when you're really trying to tell something to them and they're cutting you off, interacting and saying, I know that, it's just so painful. Have you ever been on the receiving end of that? When someone won't listen to you, it's very painful. So it's about trying to have the grace of listening. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Soul Talk. I hope the podcast has served you in creating a happier and more abundant life. If you've enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. If you'd like to connect with me, head over to shaktidurga.com. Daddy.